Thank you for joining us for the lessons from First Naz Podcast. Good morning. God bless you. My name is Paul Clark. I serve alongside my wife and with our daughters, Rosalie and Evelyn. We are missionaries in Quito, Ecuador, and we are humbled and honored that you would consider us to be your next pastors there at Lewiston First Church of the Nazarene. Um, we look forward to having a more interactive time with you tonight. And uh, I want to say thank you to the church board for arranging that this process could happen virtually. Uh, I know it's not ideal, and if it weren't for, for the global pandemic, uh, for sure uh, I myself or all four of us would be in Lewiston to share this weekend with you and make it look a little more traditional. But uh, the situation being what it is, thank you so much for understanding, and thank you to the board for, for allowing us to arrange to, to do this virtually. Uh, this morning, I'm excited to share with you from God's Word. I'm going to be sharing with you from 1 Thessalonians 5. This is a passage that is recommended to us by the Revised Common Lectionary. Uh, for those who are not familiar with the lectionary, the lectionary is a set of biblical passages that is recommended to us for every Sunday of the year. And I like to use the lectionary, especially during the season of Advent, because the passages in the lectionary relate to the themes of Advent for, for each week of the season. This passage uh, I chose among the four that were suggested for the third week in Advent because I think that it speaks to the, to the type of Christian I want to be. It speaks to what I hope God is doing in my life and, and how I hope think God wants to, to work in us by the power of his Holy Spirit. So while you're turning in your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, let me tell you about a recent experience I had. It, actually, it was last April. Last April, Ecuador was completely shut down due to the COVID pandemic. The, we, we could only drive one day a week in our cars based on the last digit of the license plate. We were not allowed to have any of our employees who lived off of campus come onto our campus to help with things like maintenance, uh, to, to keep the seminary running. We were, we were completely locked down. And during that time, uh, it came about that there was a soft spot in some grass behind one of the buildings here on our, on our seminary campus. And uh, so John Fisher, who's one of our missionaries, he asked uh, one of our seminary students who is living on campus and has helped us with maintenance around the property uh, to check this out. And so David, our seminary student, went and checked out this leak, this, this wet spot in the grass behind a building uh, in a corner of our property here on campus. And, and David went and he checked it out and he found that there was a small leak and he, he tried to, to fix it. And the situation that David found was that there was this black tubing coming in as the supply into the building, and then it, it connected to, uh, to some metal tubing. This black tubing we, we use in the United States sometimes as irrigation tubing. And it's honestly, it's the only place I am aware that we have this, this tubing on our seminary campus. There's about 30 yards of it that, that feeds this building. And, and so David was trying to, to fix the leak where, where this black tubing connected to metal piping with hose clamps, with like lightweight type of hose clamp like you would find in the cooling system of your car. And, and in fact, he was actually using three hose clamps trying to get this, this tubing tight enough that it wouldn't leak. And, and he wasn't having any luck. 
he, there was always a little bit of water leaking through and, and he couldn't stop the drip. And so after a few days of fighting with this, he, he asked me to go look with him and I, I looked at it and uh, I, I felt really badly for David because he was trying to use these lightweight hose clamps. And what, what David didn't know is that for this black tubing, this heavy-duty tubing, there are actually special heavy-duty hose clamps that really uh, cinch down on that tubing to, to seal around them. And so what David was trying to do was, was the right idea. He just didn't have the right tool. And, and really, he was trying to do something that without the right tool was impossible. He was never going to be able to stop the leak because he didn't have the right tool. <laughs> have you ever done a job where you didn't have the right tool to accomplish the task at hand? Have, have you ever started a recipe only to realize that you didn't have all the ingredients you need? You know how frustrating it can be to be so close but to not be able to come up with the desired result because you don't have the proper tool or the proper ingredient, the proper part on hand. It's impossible. It's impossible to accomplish the task when we don't have the, the right part on hand. Well, with that in mind, let's turn now to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. I'll be reading from verses 16 through verse 24. I'm, I'm reading from the New International Version, and, it, and Paul, the Apostle Paul says these words. He says, Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not quench the Spirit. Do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all. Hold on to what is good. Reject every kind of evil. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. So this passage begins with three commands, and, and they're three commands that seem like they must be hyperbole. They, they seem exaggerated. It doesn't seem, well, it is impossible for us to fulfill these commands because they are unqualified commands. They are commands that we never can get a break from, commands that go on into every moment of every day of our lives. If, it was, if the first command was just rejoice, maybe we could rejoice on occasion and we could fulfill that command. But Paul says, rejoice always. <laughs> the second command, it's not just pray. We pray. We fulfill the command to just pray. But Paul says, no, don't just pray. Pray continually. The third command isn't is just a simple give thanks. We fulfilled that. We, we gave thanks on Thanksgiving a few weeks ago. No, Paul says, give thanks in all circumstances. And each of these commands is important on its own. Each of these commands is important for our daily lives. Each of these commands is important for us this year. If ever there was a year when we needed to be commanded to be filled with joy at Christmas time, it's the year 2020. 
But these three commands are related in a special way. Because at the, verse, the end of verse 18, Paul says, Do these things always and continually and in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. I love that. I love this idea that we know what God's will is for us. If we want to know what God's will is for us, here it is. It is that we rejoice always, that we pray continually, that we give thanks in all circumstances. I tend to, and I think as believers, we tend to make the will of God very complicated. We make it very complex. We, we try to, to confuse it with all sorts of things. We, we pray about the simplest decision. We want to make sure that we're in God's will in every moment. And, and Paul tells us, this is God's will for you. It's this simple. It's, it's that you would rejoice always that you would pray continually, and that you would give thanks in all circumstances. And as we consider that these commands are God's will for us, we begin to understand that God's will for us is good. God's will for us has to be good. It, it couldn't be that our good God uh, expects us to suffer because of his will and at the same time, rejoice always and give thanks in all circumstances. That is not the God we serve. But the unqualified nature of these commands makes us, makes us realize and makes us think that we probably are not capable of fulfilling God's will all on our own. It would be we just can't do it. It's impossible. It, it would be like trying to stop a water leak without the right part to seal the tubing. We, we need help. For us on our own, it's, it's not possible. More on, more on that in just a minute, because there are actually five more commands in this passage in verses 19 through 22. And uh, I, I have for you stunning analysis of these five commands. And I, uh, I would love to share with you all about these five commands because they're, they're really important and, and they would help us today. But for this morning, I think that these five commands would be an aside for the message I believe God has for us. And so while I'm very tempted to stun you with my analysis from, from these uh, five commands, I'm going to skip on now to verse 23. And, and we're, gonna, we're going to continue on after looking at these three impossible commands in 1 Thessalonians 5. We're going to look at two great blessings. So Paul begins in verse 23. He says, May God himself, the God of peace, when, when Paul says this, he, he is making a, a desire known for the Thessalonians. He's, he's telling them what he wishes would come to pass in, in, this, uh, in the church in Thessalonica. Paul, Paul in, in other versions, other translations of this passage, it, it is explicit that this is a prayer of Paul for the Thessalonian church. And uh, we can understand that these are, these are blessings. He's leaving the, the Thessalonian church. This is the last chapter of the letter. These last little bit of this letter, he, he leaves uh, a blessing 
for the church in Thessalonica. And his first blessing for the church is, may God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. There are a lot of different interpretations of this in the different translations of the Bible. Some versions say, may God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you entirely. All of you, may, may you be sanctified. The New Living Translation says, uh, may, may God himself, the God of peace, make you holy in every way. And the preacher's job in this passage, when we come to, to, to the word sanctify or to be made holy, the preacher's job is to define exactly what this means. And, and we, we learn a little bit by the different translations that being sanctified is, is a synonym. It means the same thing as being made holy. Uh, but what does that mean? The, the best definition we have for it is that to sanctify something, to make something holy, is to set it apart for a sacred purpose. To set it apart for, for God's purpose. So when Paul prays, may, may the God of peace sanctify you through and through, he's saying, may the God of peace take all of you, every last bit, and may he set you aside for God's purpose alone. In the Church of the Nazarene, we believe that there is a specific work that God does of sanctifying us in our process of following the way of Jesus. As we're following the way of Jesus, we believe God, God has this in mind for us, that he would sanctify us, that he would, he would do this work in us. We believe that it is an essential part of following Jesus. And this is an important theme for me in my preaching, and, and there will be lots more on that to come. But today, I want to keep pushing through 1 Thessalonians 5 because there's another blessing right on the heels of this first blessing. As Paul continues, he, he says, uh, may, the, he, he asks God that the Thessalonians would be kept blameless, spirit, soul, and body until the coming again of Jesus. Now, when, when Paul talks about being blameless, obviously he's talking in terms of the Thessalonians' relationship to God. And, and sometimes in, in Christian circles, in, in our church, sometimes we think about being blameless in relationship to God in terms of being on one side of, of an imaginary line, one side of an imaginary line that divides those who are blameless or those who are sanctified, those who are holy, from all the rest. We, we, we sometimes, we, we think about being Christian, about being saved, about being sanctified, holy, and blameless. We think about it as, as being on one side of, of some fence that divides those who are Christians from those who are not. And I'll, I'll be honest with you, I, I do not think that, that that is a particularly helpful way for us to think about our faith in Jesus. I, I think ultimately, the project of trying to find that line that divides those who are sanctified and holy and blameless from those who are not, ultimately, I, I think that is damaging to our faith. Because, because our faith isn't about getting across some fence. Our faith isn't about arriving at some, some place. Our faith, our faith is about following and obeying and loving Jesus. 
It's about being focused upon Jesus and focused on Jesus only. That's why when Paul gives these three impossible commands in verses 16 through 18, he doesn't say, obey these three rules uh, all the time so that you can, you can arrive. <laughs> he, he says, obey these three rules in every circumstance, always. He, he says, rejoice and pray and give thanks in everything because Paul isn't concerned about us arriving to some, some place. Paul, Paul is concerned about what we are focused on. Paul wants to make sure that we focus only on Jesus, that we focus and follow only him. And to be kept blameless and to be made holy and to, to receive these blessings that Paul prays for us, we have to keep our focus solely on Jesus. And Paul prays that, that God would do this in our lives, that God would give us the grace to, to keep our focus solely on Jesus. Remember that these blessings began in verse 23 with this idea that may God, the God of peace, may God himself do these things in your life. These are not things that Paul expects the Thessalonians to do all on their own. And that's because Paul knew human beings. Paul, Paul knew how we are. We are so distractible in our attempts to follow Jesus. We, we lose focus because of the news and the current events. We lose focus on Jesus because we're busy and working with our family. We, we lose focus on Jesus when we get tired and, and worn out. And so we need God's help to stay focused on Jesus. Just like we need God's help to, to rejoice always, to pray without ceasing, to give thanks in all circumstances. We can't, we can't sanctify ourselves. We can't keep ourselves blameless to the end. But thanks be to God, because the passage doesn't end here. We, we continue on to verse 24, and we remember who is responsible for all this. In verse 24, Paul tells us, the one who calls you is faithful. He will do it. Friends, God doesn't give us a list of impossible commands and pile us high with burdens and then walk away and wash his hands and say good luck with that. <laughs> God never sends us to do a job without giving us the right tools, without giving us the right parts. He never sends us after a leak in, in some plumbing without giving us everything we need to stop the dripping. Our God is faithful. And if ever we needed evidence of his faithfulness, here we are in this season of Advent when we remember God's faithful sending of his son. God took such a great risk to send Jesus. And in these words of Paul, we hear echoes of Jesus. We, we hear Jesus saying to his disciples in the upper room 
it's better for you that I go away because I can send my spirit to be with you always and everywhere. We hear echoes of Jesus' last words recorded in the Gospel of Matthew. Behold, I am with you always, even to the very end of the age. And during this season of Advent, we remember with joy the great gift of Jesus. Because Jesus came to earth, we can be sure that he has left with us his Spirit. And the Holy Spirit helps us to be and to do more than we could ever be or do on our own. Our God is faithful. And so even though the command to rejoice always is impossible, God puts joy in our hearts, even in the most difficult of days. God, our God will do it. Our God will give you the strength to pray continually and will always lend you a listening ear. Our God is faithful. Our God continually gives us reasons to give thanks and gives us the strength to give thanks even in the most difficult of circumstances. Our God calls us to this impossible standard and then gives us the ability by the power of his Holy Spirit working in us to accomplish his will for us. May I pray for you? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this time where we can focus on your word. We can be reminded of your faithfulness. And so this morning, God, I pray that you would send your Holy Spirit upon us more and more, that we would become more and more the men and women that you are calling us to be. Help us, Lord, to rejoice, to pray, and to give thanks in everything we do. And by the power of your Spirit, accomplish this in our lives, that we could be blameless and sanctified to you. Thank you, God, for your faithfulness for your love for us, and for the promise that you will do this in our lives. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May you be kept What gift of grace is Jesus, my Redeemer? There is no more for heaven now to give. He is my joy, my righteousness and freedom, my steadfast love, my deep and boundless peace. To
glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Go in the peace of our Father and in the joy and the hope that we have because of his son's coming. You're dismissed.